0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Raptor Queens podcast, the first ever all-woman podcast covering the Toronto Raptors. My name is Sarah Khalil. I'm here with my other Queen of the North, Alison Hope. Welcome to all of our listeners. This week we are going to cover the last four Raptors games beginning in Orlando with a win and a record-setting performance by Fred Van Vliet, followed by a uh, very interesting game against the Brooklyn Nets a game against the Hawks and then finally a exciting game against the Grizzlies where the Raptors came from behind in the fourth quarter after Nick Nurse was ejected to win the game in stunning fashion. So an excellent week of Raptors games to review. We're also going to spend some time looking at one of the Raptors newer players, DeAndre Bembry. So stay tuned to hear more about his, um, well, I guess just the way he plays and learn more about whether his statistics match the eye test, and also get an introduction. Who is he? Where's he come from? Learn more about him. So stay tuned for that. We have some trade rumors circulating around the Raptors and also confirmation of Bobby Webster re-signing with the Raptors. Of course, our weekly segment, King of the North and Court Jester of the Week, followed by Tea Time. There is so much tea to spill including a lot of good news related to Raptors players and the NBA G League. Then we're going to go around the league. Is Philly for real? What's going on with them? How come they're in first place? We'll take a deeper look at Philadelphia and then finally wrap up with our predictions for this week's Raptors games. Okay, so Allison, let's start with the second Orlando game this is the Orlando uh second the second game of a back-to-back against Orlando the Raptors won 123 to 108 and the story of the night of course is that Fred Van Bleet set a Raptors record scored 54 points in that game what a game by Fred that was
1: so exciting to watch and I remember, um, I want to say it was like 2011 watching Danny Green uh, set a record for most number of threes in a quarter. And as Fred was like knocking him down, you know, you really started to get a sense of like, wow, this is like something special. And I must say, given the fact that I'm not a huge Vince Carter fan, I was very happy to see him eclipse uh, Vince Carter's record. I, I know I've been a little bit critical of Fred in the past, but I was so happy for him I mean this is the culmination of all that hard work and it was just it was great to see couldn't happen to a nicer guy
0: I agree and um, not only did he set a Raptors record but he also set a record for the most points in a single game by an undrafted player so Fred Fred's story just keeps getting better and better just this is a bit of a side question not specific to the game but what do you think it is about Fred that lets him perform at this level when he's not actually the most talented person on the basketball court? What do you think it is about him?
1: It sounds like he had a really good structured upbringing. I know his his dad was murdered, but it sounds like his stepdad was a very powerful presence in his life and uh, you know was very much a role model. So I, I think probably like, growing up um, where he did in the circumstances he did, that probably contributes a lot. He's a very self-confident guy. Um, So yeah,
0: that's my, what what do you think, Sarah? Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure. I mean, your point about confidence he is, but he blends confidence and humility so well. He's clearly a hard worker who takes nothing for granted. And I guess his teammates always point to him being such a competitive, hard worker but there are a lot of really competitive hard workers in the nba who don't set these records and so i guess i just i just wonder what quality exactly fred is bringing to the game that you know allows for these kind of results and outcomes for him I'm so happy for him i'm so happy he's a raptor what a great signing this offseason and yeah it sure was.
1: And I, I um, had read an article today by Blake Murphy and he talked about Maokai Flynn um, going down, going to the, I shouldn't say going down, um, going to the G League for the um, the bubble tournament. And he commented that uh, his last team dinner was with uh, Maokai Flynn's last team dinner was with Fred and um, Pascal and Chris Boucher. So those are three players who've done really well and developed solidly as a result of being in the G league. So, you know, what a, a good note to go on, like, you know, nice to see.
0: Yeah, that was, that was just great. Um, uh, Norman Powell had a good game as well. He scored 23 points that game and he also had a good game against the Nets. Let's move on to the Nets. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, Norman Powell as well so the Nets, um, the Raptors beat the Nets 123 to 117 in what started out as an extremely fast-paced exciting game the Raptors came out all cylinders fi- firing offensively the in my personal opinion in the third quarter the referees were absolute garbage and kind of killed the vibe of the game it did pick up again as we entered the fourth quarter which was great and in that game we had Pascal Siakam score 33 points Norm Powell scored 18 Kyle Lowry had 30 Chris Boucher off the bench with 17 points nine rebounds Um, yeah I mean what were your thoughts about this game
1: well this was uh, like a slugfest right from the beginning like it was gritty Um, you know both teams were in the weeds and you could tell that the Raptors were really amped up for this game. And this was finally a game where we did perform in the clutch and it was kind of reminiscent of, you know, the tension in game six of of the finals uh, in 2019. Pascal just had a monster game and he, he attacked the paint relentlessly. I, I think if memory serves me correctly, he only attempted two threes. He had a, a full stat line. And I mean, Obviously, Nick Nurse's game plan was to attack in the paint because the Nets really don't have uh, much rim protection, or you know, a post defender.
0: Your defense that you know. Yeah, just, yeah. Um, in other no words, for Pascal Siakam. I'm Not, sorry, they had no answer for no, Pascal Siakam. no.
1: Um, Fred kind of struggled to score in this game, but he certainly contributed in every other way, and he's just continuing to log huge minutes. And this was like just a typical Kyle Lowry game, just came up big from three. I think he was six for nine. Um, Boucher, I think he had a spectacular block um, of a three point shot at the point of release. And we really took good care of the ball, Uh, 10 turnovers. I think that's a season low. Um, James Harden held to 17 points and Kyrie Irving to 15. So it kind of came right down to the wire um this was this was a good win
0: yeah I mean uh of course we we can't step over the fact that uh Kevin Durant didn't play the whole game um due to various I don't even know what to call it we'll just call it a COVID NBA fiasco in terms of the health and safety protocols I don't want to spend too much time on it only because I think that um you know the the game itself doesn't necessarily merit an extended discussion about what happened with KD, but instead of the big three for the entire game, the Raptors played against you know two Kyrie and Harden, but they played very well against them. Very well, they did. And I mean that certainly was
1: a fiasco. Um, but again, um, you can really see the impact of of Brooklyn not having a functional center. I mean that. This is going to come to bite them, I'm sure, in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think I think Brooklyn, um, you know, not having a functional center, and uh, to me, it seems not really having a a will or like a realistic assessment of what it takes to play defense. Because I, I heard James Harden say, like, "Oh, we'll figure defense out by the playoffs," as if as if that was as, as if it's as simple as that. Um, I like, I think just from having watching the rap, to be honest, it's because I watch the Raptors that I think this way, I think defense is an identity more than something you figure out. Exactly.
1: It's, it's a culture. I, I, I feel like I'm drinking the same Kool-Aid <laughs> and actually um, Brooklyn lost again tonight. They were beaten by Detroit, one of the worst teams in the league. So it wasn't a super high scoring game. It looks like some defense was played, but that's pretty shocking. And then I saw that Steve Nash was trending after the game, which is never usually a good thing. And one of the, the, the top comments was that uh, he's going to be, um, they're going to start getting the knives out for him. So yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. You were right. It's going to be,
0: what was the word you used? Yes. A a yes. a spectacle. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So a a couple things I also want to add on to about this game. You were, you're right. Fred did not have a great shooting game. He only scored 11 points and he only got one three pointer to keep his streak alive for the number of games in a row that he's had a three pointer. I can't remember what it's at now, but it's a lot. And he, it was, it wasn't until like the fourth quarter. That was huge. That three. Yeah. An offensive rebound by Norm who threw it to Kyle who kicked it over to Fred and Fred hits the three in the dying minutes of the fourth quarter. He's been stone cold all night, but then in pure Freddie ice fashion, just drills this three pointer and he had the biggest smile on his face as he was running back on defense. It was actually quite a pleasure to watch. That.
1: And he just looked, you know, like a born shooter, right? Like he's done that, you know, gone through those motions like hundreds of thousands of times, like it's just in his DNA. Yeah. That was, that was a timely three for sure.
0: Yeah. And okay. Kyle Lowry also clutch playing throughout, throughout the game. I, I couldn't help but feel like this was Kyle Lowry's reminder to everyone on national television. Hi, I'm an all-star and don't you ever forget it.
1: That's right. I forgot that it was on national TV and we've had quite a few games where the Raptors haven't played well on on the big, you know, the big stage. So this was good to see them, you know, in a, w- against, you know, a fairly tough opponent. And uh, yeah, I was happy about that.
0: Mm-hmm. And we touched on it briefly, but um, I was of the opinion that this was, this is one of Pascal Siakam's best games this year. I think part of it was that the matchups favored him, but I loved to see him in the paint down low, being aggressive and not um, actually just like not taking three pointers. What did you think of his game this uh, against Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think um, because again, they don't have a functional center um, and they were very reluctant to double him. I noticed, and it was very nice to see him not relying on the three. Like, I think you can almost tell when his game is off because he uh, he's overly reliant on outside shooting so just you know, in the mindset, aggressive right from the beginning. I mean, this is what we need to see. And by all means, he's a good three point shooter, but we need you know a sprinkling of that, not a steady diet of that.
0: Yeah. Um, also, in this game, OG uh, was out. He, he's been out all week, actually, for all of the games that we're talking about with a um, strained calf. Um, so we're of course missing OG's defensive presence. I have to say, Norm's defense against Brooklyn was some of the best I've ever seen him play. Uh, go ahead.
1: I've been critical of his defense in the past. Um, he, he isn't a net deficit on defense. Now that's about as far as I'm willing to go. Um, he still sometimes slow to rotate, but he hasn't had any like obvious Gaffs that i can think of so yeah i'll definitely give him a passing grade on that but he more than brings it on the offensive end so um that's a trade-off i'm happy with
0: yeah well um okay so let, let's move forward then into the next game the raptors plays against the hawks this was um, a second game in a row following following the nets game um, all right, so Fred Van Vliet, or sorry, leading scorer was Chris Boucher with 29 points. Fred Van Vliet had 25, Norm Powell had 20, and Pascal Siakam had 15. Um, Allison, what were your thoughts on this game? So
1: they actually started out like the first defensive sequence, and they were just stifling on, on that possession. Um, I, I did notice Jack Armstrong um, when they commented that uh, Atlanta was allowing 20% of fans in and <laughs> Jack came back with a quip that um, it wasn't much different from their attendance pre-pandemic, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, the Raptors, they did a lot of doubling, like um, high, uh, up, like above the break and, you know, on Trey Young. And obviously Atlanta anticipated this because they were able to make really good passes out of those doubles They weren't flustered by the pressure at all. And we saw, um, John Collins, like that guy. Um, I, I, if I memory serves me correctly, Atlanta didn't extend him. I think he was eligible for a rookie extension. He's a very good player. Um, it was nice to see Norm just attacking the rim. And that's someone too, that's in attack mode, like right from the beginning and you know, he just adds such a nice element to the Raptors offense. I mean, teams have to cover him. And I did note that Bembry hit a three and that's nice to see in the flow of the offense. Um, And we finally had a a shot that went into the buzzer. Fred had that high, crazy arcing shot into the first quarter. Um, And just kind of looking at the rest of the game, things got a little bit more frustrating from there. Um, we, uh, we went through another scoring drought. Um, they pointed out that the Hawks were one of the, um, the teams that got to the free throw line the most. Um, and I did notice too, that Atlanta's defensive intensity went, went way up when, uh, John Rondo subbed in for Trey Young. So they came out really flat in the third quarter, like, Aaron Baines was basically anchored to the ground and he was unable to provide like any meaningful defense against Clint, Clint Capella. Capella just had his way with him. And I mean, Capella's a good player uh, less than a, a minute into the third quarter. Uh, Atlanta had already scored five points. And, you know, it was here that I'm thinking we're really missing OG right now. The Raptors looked really, really tired but then they started to, to f- flash some fight, and Bembry was making plays, and Boucher had a really nice dunk. And just at the end of the third quarter, there was just a BS call on uh, Terrence Davis. He touched Trey Young, and Trey Young ended up getting free throws out of it. So, some questionable calls by the refs both ways in the fourth quarter. Stanley was working his butt off. And I mean, we were down six with four minutes left and the Raptors were fighting. We, I think, forced seven Atlanta turnovers in the fourth. Um, but just, we couldn't make three or four successful trips in a row and kind of the game slipped away. So I, I think fatigue was probably a big element of this game. And I think it was probably a little bit of a letdown from um, a team with a cachet of of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, Atlanta's a good team, but they don't have a lot of cachet. So this was kind of disappointing, but kind of understandable. What what did did you see?
0: After Right after the Nets game and realizing they had a game the the day after, um, I thought to myself that it'll be hard to win the second game. The the hype that you had to bring internally to play against the Brooklyn Nets and to have quite an excellent game against them, um, especially offensively. Uh, I don't know I I can see the letdown factor that you're talking about Um, the Raptors did look tired I was I was hoping that we would see uh, some some more production from Stanley Johnson defensively he didn't get a lot of minutes against Brooklyn and so when he subbed in against Atlanta I was hoping that would mean fresh legs and we'd see something happen there um it it didn't seem to make much of a difference. I will say Chris Boucher was an absolute fighter in that game. Um, Just brought, (laughs) I mean, I say this every, I feel like I say this every single podcast, he brings energy to every shift, but it was really apparent that he was fighting um, in the Atlanta Hawks game. And it was quite fun to watch. I just think Trey Young is such a hard player to defend.
1: I think he's got the best handles in the league. Yeah,
0: I, I do. And even even Fred, an all-defensive player, um, just like, he just blows right by him. Just blows right by him. And so, I mean, maybe it would have made a difference if OG was there. Maybe it would have made a difference if um, Aaron Baines wasn't a pylon. Um, then <laughs> there might be some kind of you know, rotational chance against an offense led by Trey Young. But that was just, especially the second night of a back-to-back with everyone's legs tired. He he was just unstoppable.
1: Yeah, he's very electric to watch. He's like, you know, this is the future of the NBA, these young guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last game that we're going to cover uh, the Raptors had a big win against the Grizzlies and I'm calling it a big win because it was the first time this season that the Raptors were trailing after three and came back to actually win the game and win it. They did uh, 128 to 113. Nick nurse was ejected with two minutes, three minutes left in the third quarter on a second technical foul. He didn't even know he had a first, <laughs> but he was ejected from the game and the Raptors, um, held the held the Grizzlies only 16 points in the fourth quarter, and came and they just snatched that game right out of the Grizzlies' claws. It was fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. Memphis never should have lost that game. And it's been said that when a coach gets himself kicked out like that, kind of lights a fire into the players who knows if that's what happened, but, and to our listeners, I um, will confess once again, that Sarah and I were chatting on our, um, our DMs through the game. And I, I did tell her that it looked like we were going to lose and I was getting all negative. And then that I said, there's a glimmer of hope here. So um, yeah, I, I was super happy about that. We, um, they they came out with really active hands with deflections norm came out like just uh, attacking but you know there's aaron baines like turning down open shots like he's really you know he's really an impediment to the offense and um you know he was open at least twice for a three and and turned down the shot and it just kind of you know, gums up the offense. Uh, The play-by-play guys uh, mentioned that Memphis was 30th in the league in free throw attempts. And at the end of the first quarter, they already had 12. And, you know, TD, like I've said this before, is kind of playing himself out of minutes because he comes in with two quick fouls that kind of turn the momentum a bit. Um, Bembry flashed some really nice shot creation. He had a beautiful no-look pass and um Chris Boucher some very nice defense he uh, I can't remember who it was on he stayed down on a pump fake and uh and made the play I think that was the last uh, possession of the first quarter and then Wantanabe was just working his butt off getting offensive rebounds and when he couldn't grab the rebound he was tipping it out um, Pascal finally hit a three and <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. A whole bunch of them.
1: Yes, he did. But like, just kind of going chronologically. Um, And then there was this really weird sequence um, toward the end of the second quarter where Baines made the initial stop on just like under the rim. And then he never, he didn't close out. So the Memphis Grizzly player, I can't remember who it was is standing there with an open path and just throws up a little three foot shot and Baines like, like no attempt. Like, I just wonder about his IQ or maybe it's the effect of COVID. I don't know, but it was just, just such a mental lapse. Um, and then starting the third, um, Deandre Bembry had a very impressive steal, literally right out of the hands of JV. You you don't often see a steal like that. Um, and I just remember thinking at that point, okay, You know, Kyle was out with his back spasms and I'm thinking this is Fred's team to run. And so, you know, he kind of did some playmaking. Um, Jonas Valanciunas was, you know, up until the fourth quarter, absolutely having his way with us. And, you know, it really makes you realize having a center who can rebound and, you know, actually get the putbacks, uh, you know, (laughs) like his numbers were huge. Um, and then going into the fourth, that's when I kind of started to get a little bit more positive. Like we went on a big run. I think it was 23 to five norm with a hot hand. And I kind of wanted to see Fred just keep, you know, feeding him the ball. Uh, I think norm was five for eight from three. Um, we didn't have a lot of turnovers. Um, there was just some very nice playmaking and some very tenacious defense Um, Pascal had a lovely bank shot and it was just good to see us win in the crunch time. Like this was a big game, Uh, you know, Memphis, Memphis failed, you know, to assert themselves and we just, we, you're right. We snatched the game from them.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So you're right. That JV had huge numbers. He had 20 rebounds and 27 points. Um, and in contrast, Uh, Aaron Baines had six rebounds and seven points only played 19 minutes. Chris Boucher comes in. He had 10 rebounds and 12 points. So yeah, he's much smaller and he's getting pushed around down there. But once again, we're seeing that, that fight. Um, uh, Pascal Siakam, 32 points, Fred Van Vliet, 32 and Norm Powell, 29. So those are, those are big offensive numbers from three offensive guys. That was, that was great to see one of the things I actually wanted to highlight and I'm glad that I remembered to to say this is I actually felt like the Brooklyn game unlocked the Raptors as an offensive team um in that I kind of got the sense from from Nick Nurse that for for once the game plan to beat the other team was go play offense go play more offense than they do versus um, and like, of course play defense because you have to, and they did really well in their star players, but you weren't, you're not going to beat Brooklyn just playing defense. You have to play offense and you can't get into the offensive droughts that we've seen the Raptors have. So um, they had a really like high, high octane offensive game starting in Brooklyn and It seemed to carry through into the Hawks game, even though they lost. So the Raptors had 123 points against the Nets, 121 against the Hawks, and then 128 against the Grizzlies yesterday. And I'm enjoying seeing this offensive side of the team. It's really nice.
1: I think norm with the starters is kind of like a pressure valve for the attention that's normally given to Pascal, because when the two of them are out there, like Norm, and I, I think, you know, you made the point before Sarah, like he's made a compelling argument for him to start. And it just makes you wonder if, um, you know, Nick Nurse is going to have to, you know, rejig the starting lineup, maybe Kyle come off the bench. I don't know, because you know, Norm, if he's putting up 25 or 30 a night, that kind of changes what our offense looks like. You know, I think of the first few games of the year where we were struggling to score 90, 95 points. I mean, this is a whole different look when you've, you know, to your point, three starters, each with say 30 points. That's, yeah, that's a big chunk of the offense.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a big deal.
1: So, I mean, there's going to have to be just some decisions made. It sounds like OG is going to be back or is, uh, probable, I forget the expression they use for the, uh, the, for the next game against Washington. So yeah, I I wonder what we're going to see.
0: Yeah, me too. I am a a big fan of not starting Baines anytime. Um, so maybe he will take Baines's role and OG will play the five.
1: (laughs) You know, Um, I feel so bad about that. He's not this bad of a player, but well, I think we've talked about this before and it's okay. leave it at that i
0: think i'm extra harsh and i know i am and uh anyway that's okay all right so uh that was good we have uh, now reviewed anything else you want to say about any of these games
1: i was so happy that they beat brooklyn i was just (laughs) so damn happy and so happy to see them lose again tonight but yeah Petty and vindictive. That's me.
0: <laughs> That's okay. All right, then let's move into uh, our next conversation, which is DeAndre Bembry. Um, so he's been getting a lot more playing time over the last few weeks coming on and uh, contributing some really nice minutes. Uh, defensively, he is stealing the ball or deflecting the ball on a consistent basis. And offensively, he seems to have some very good chemistry, especially with Kyle Lowry. Um, connecting on some beautiful fast break passes or even half court passes for easy um, easy buckets in the paint. So, Allison, let's introduce DeAndre Bembry to our listeners. I have quite enjoyed
1: watching him, and so I kind of started doing a little bit of looking into his his um, his background. So he's um, either six six or six five, depending on what reference you look at. Two hundred and ten pounds. He, um, he played college ball at St. Joseph's University, um, which is a Division I school it's in the Atlanta Conference. Um, he was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a right-hand shooter. Um, he was the Atlantic 10 Conference uh, Player of the Year. He made several all-defensive teams, and he was drafted uh, 21st overall by Atlanta. And he's you know, versatile. He's listed as either a shooting guard or a small forward. So quite sadly, um, two weeks before the NBA draft, his younger brother was shot and killed trying to break up a fight. So he wears, um, Jersey 95 in honor of his brother who was born in 95. So just, I I remember him from Atlanta, but I, I don't remember much about him. Um, so he played about 20 minutes a game, um, in Atlanta, um, in 2019, 2020, he, uh, Averaged 2.4 field goal attempts per game. uh, A 45% field goal percentage. He attempted about one three per game. And he was shooting 23%. uh, Three rebounds a game. One steal and two assists. So kind of um, my subscription to the Athletic has been paying big dividends. So um, I read a couple articles by Chris Kirshner from The Atlantic. And he kind of commented that one of the reasons that they, um, they let him go was that they felt, in the organization felt that his game did not progress. They kind of hoped that he'd uh, grow as a three-point shooter. And I guess they were left without a lot of optimism that he would, he would be able to do that. Um, and they also felt that his defense wasn't good enough. And that's kind of funny to me because that's certainly one of his strengths that I see. Um, He was kind of unlucky with injuries in Atlanta. He only had one fully healthy year and that was 2018. Um, There was uh, a couple comments too that he liked to gamble a lot on defense and kind of got burned and got left, um, you know, out of position. And they also commented that he likes playing fast and chasing ball handlers around the perimeter and he liked to attack the rim. And they did comment too that he's turnover prone and tries to do more than he's capable of. And I I I don't really see that. I'm not I'm not sure what you see, but he um he seems to be playing very much within like the flow of the game. Like he's hit a few threes and it's not like he's hunting them out, but when he's open, um he's he's able to knock them down. Um, And another good thing that sort of um, fits in with our culture. um, The coach for Atlanta said that he spent more time in their practice facility than any other player on the roster. So I looked him up on basketball reference and they have this cool feature on basketball reference. You can do a head to head comparison with another player. So I kind of looked at Garrett Temple who um, played for Brooklyn last year. Um, So, Similar numbers to DeAndre Bembry and he's at 4.7 million and Bembry's at 1.7 million. So this looks like a pretty good bargain uh, by the Raptors. Um, He seems to have a good attitude. Like what I've seen of him, I really like. And, you know, I, I said, TD's playing himself out of minutes. I think that DeAndre Bembry is playing himself into more minutes. And I kind of wonder, I mean, what would he look like if, if Nick Nurse decided to, you know, separate Kyle and Fred and bring, and, and bring Kyle off the bench and to pair him up with Bembry, like that would, that would be kind of interesting to see.
0: Mm. Um,
1: there's a lot of options there. Like he's got nice length. He's, he's fast. Um, and I really like he and Utah out there at the same time. Like we have all kinds of possible permutations here. So what, what do you see about him that you like, Sarah?
0: oh that's, that's interesting the idea of uh you know regular lineup with Kyle and Membree um okay well you know to to your point about uh the Atlanta Hawks feeling like he was doing too much and that you're not seeing that happen on the Raptors um was, do you remember if it was Leo or Jack that called the game against Atlanta oh I do not Okay. Um, So as you mentioned, Atlanta's his former team and I, I, you know, they were not a good team last year, just as a reminder, Um, they were 20 and 47 and this year they're more more 50% so they're 11 and 12. Um, And so whoever was calling the game mentioned, you know, it's easy to try to do so much when it feels like you can't win. Oh, good point. Right. And so, you know, feeling like you need to take it all into your hands Um, I really get the impression that he, that he, um, really trusts the Raptors system. And so when you say that he plays inside of the defensive and and the defense and the awesome offensive system that the Raptors have, um, yeah, that's, that's how it seems to me too. Nothing, nothing seems forced. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll be curious to see how he develops. I think he has certainly earned the m- minutes that he's getting. We didn't see almost anything from him in the early games. Um, and more and more, we're seeing, seeing good minutes from him. So I'm, I'm happy to watch him to continue to grow and see what happens. I, I think
1: he makes Pat McCaw a little bit redundant because we have a player with kind of some of the same you know physical attributes but he's also willing to put up the shot. Whereas Pat McCaw is notoriously reticent to shoot. So, you know, we kind of have a surplus of players of that type. So, you know, kind of makes me wonder if any other teams in the market for, you know, a three or four time, how many rings does McCaw have? <laughs> three, yeah. a, a three time, you know, championship winning player. Um, maybe Masai could spin something there. I don't know.
0: I completely forgot until you mentioned it that Pat McCaw is on the roster. <laughs> Do we have a timeline for his return?
1: Uh, apparently it's soon. I think he's doing light practices, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he's on the horizon.
0: You know, I, I have to admit I haven't particularly missed him. Um, and I'm not at the moment super excited about having him back.
1: But I think, yeah, he brings a lot of the same things that Bembry does, only he won't shoot. So
0: Right. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, Stanley Johnson surprised everyone this year by being somebody that, you know, we're happy to have on the court to play some good defensive minutes. So, surprise! (laughs) Maybe Pat McCall will do the same thing. Yeah, I
1: was surprised that Stanley didn't get more minutes in the Memphis game. I mean he's really brought it on the defensive end, but I mean, sometimes Nick nurses rotations, it I'm kind of left, but I mean, he's the guy that's making $2 million a year, not me. So.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's move on then um, to our next little bit here. We don't spend a lot of time here. Bobby Webster re-signed with the Raptors. That is good news. No word yet on Masai. And I do think it's funny that we can't celebrate Bobby resigning without immediately saying, but Masai didn't. So there's definitely still some questions about uh, the, you know, top position for the Raptors. Um, And there have been some rumors that the Raptors are interested in trading for Andre Drummond, and some other rumors that Kyle Lowry is going to be traded and that his house is for sale in Toronto.
1: Man, I don't know. Andre Drummond. One of my colleagues is a big Pistons fan and he's like, Drummond, you don't want him. Like, he couldn't wait for Detroit to get rid of Drummond. You know, he's kind of, he. my, my friend Mike saw him as pretty much a stat patter and didn't really add, um, you know, substantively to the team. Um, just, you know, he can't shoot. He's kind of an anachronism. You know, he's a big body at center, but uh, Nikola Jokic, he ain't.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, we're not going to get, we're not going to get that.
1: (laughs) But is he an upgrade over Aaron Baines? I guess that's the question. My, My friend didn't seem to think so.
0: Well, don't ask me. (laughs)
1: I think I know what the answer to that is
0: right okay well we'll see what happens what do you make of the rumors that Kyle's house is for sale in Toronto do you think it has anything at all to do with the game or an independent decision
1: I wish I could say that I thought of this but I didn't I was um, I was a guest on another podcast today Confederacy of Dunks with uh, Freddie Rivas and Matt Duncan and Matt, um, Matt's conjecture on the matter was that um Kyle got priced out of the Toronto housing market. So he's moving to Barrie. So <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. I wish I'd thought of it. I don't know, like yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, think of two years ago we were, you know, assigning some kind of significance to Kawhi Leonard having a shopper's drug mart bag somewhere you know, with his stuff on a tropical island that that meant he was staying in Toronto. So yeah. What does it mean? Who knows?
0: Yeah, I agree. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's move then uh, to next segment, King of the North, who this week was the player that you want to acknowledge for kicking butt and being the King of the North.
1: Well, I I went with Norm just because um I thought Fred would be the obvious one and that was kind of um I think was that more than 7 days ago regardless I'm not going to parse it out that far. Norm had a great week, um 18 points against Brooklyn, uh 20 against Atlanta, 29 against Memphis, um just bringing it on offense and just adding another dimension. Like he, they, he has to be taken seriously by other teams and they have to guard him. So, um, yeah, this is a really positive development. And, you know, like you said, you know, he's making a case for being a starter. Who, who'd you pick, Sarah? Uh,
0: well, I, I went with the obvious choice and I picked Fred Van VanVleet. Um uh I, I did feel like I had other options this week, which was very nice, but I have to acknowledge his 54-point game. And I want to notwithstanding the uh quiet game he had against the Nets, I also want to acknowledge the you know ownership that he took of the team in the Grizzlies game with Kyle in the locker room, Nick in the locker room, and he just took control of the team. And you know what? He made some absolutely beautiful passes in the fourth quarter really set his teammates up for some exciting plays that left me like clapping by myself in my living room for way too long. So, uh, I'm going to give it to Fred.
1: Yeah. His playmaking has, has improved. And I've been critical of that in the past and he had a double double in one of those games. I can't remember which one I think, uh, I can't remember if it was a Memphis game, but yeah, he had 10 assists. So that's, that's super encouraging to see.
0: Yeah absolutely um and you know i kind of touched on this before i could have given this award to norm or pascal as well and i'm just really happy about this or chris or chris it's Uh, true i'm happy with these with these uh with these young guys it's been fun to watch okay court jester of the week who has been either funny haha or just the worst and you wish that they were not on the court
1: (laughs) sarah do you want to go first
0: no i would like you to go first
1: <laughs> we may have unanimity here i went with aaron baines oh god <laughs> and like i said he's better than this i just oh so um against brooklyn uh 18 minutes nine points four rebounds against atlanta 15 minutes two points zero rebounds you're the center memphis 19 minutes 7.6 rebounds but he was the only starter or player who played significant minutes who was a net minus. He was a minus five. Basically, everybody else that played significant minutes, Stanley Johnson, Paul Watson aside, everybody was a plus except for Aaron Baines. So, Joker of the Week.
0: Uh, You're making me feel so, like, I'm so happy because I feel less mean for, like, I don't know, for the fifth week in a row giving it to Aaron Baines. (laughs) Or like, I don't know how many pods we've done this season, but I think 80% of the time I've given it to him and I'm doing it again for exactly the reasons you said, can this guy just, you're the center. How are you being so badly out rebounded by the guards on your own team? Every game. I, and I, so to me, this is, this is somebody not playing their role. And if it wasn't his role, maybe I wouldn't be so harsh, but it, but it is. And everyone on your team is outplaying you so and it's like oh my god some of the misses some of the open oh. layups that he's missing even the even the um commentators on for the other team if you listen to their broadcast they're like one oh. of them said said about a missed pat a missed layoff off a pass from Kyle Lowry he said he owes Lowry an apology
1: <laughs> oh yeah what <laughs> When other teams' announcers are noticing it, yeah, it's definitely bad. And, you know, I thought Bismack Biambo, Biambo had bad hands. Oh, Lord. Baines is, I swear, worse. But and I feel kind of bad because I, I honestly, he's not this bad. But anyway.
0: Okay. Well, maybe, maybe talking to me is going to just, like, color your view of him a little bit. But anyway, uh, I, I would be okay if we just didn't play him. Notwithstanding matchup problems that would be created. Okay, <laughs> let's move into tea time. Uh, we're gonna spill some tea. I'm gonna start. G League Raptors 905 was named the top G League franchise for 2019-20, which is actually two seasons ago. I don't know why this is such a delayed, um, you know, announcement. But uh, this is for on-court development, community involvement, and uh, sorry, on-court success, business development. And community involvement. So, congratulations to the Raptors 905. Very exciting.
1: Yeah, that was nice to see. And I can't help but think that not having easy access to the 905 is going to hurt the development because you think of all those games, you know, where um, Pascal and Chris Boucher, where, you know, they played G league games in the daytime and then they played with, you know, the Raptors that night. I mean, those guys logged a lot of games, lots of reps and, you know, it's just the pandemic's unfortunate for a whole bunch of us for a whole bunch of reasons, but, you know, I think this will hurt the development a little bit, but I mean, you know, it's a pandemic.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, in other, uh raptors related news uh utah watanabe jersey sales are jersey sales are 50 percent of all the sales made on uh, the japanese nba.com website that's
1: awesome i'm not surprised because there's a lot of japanese um fans who are suddenly raptors fans and I've discovered on Twitter that you can translate the tweets so you can actually read what the Japanese fans are saying. So it's been quite fun. And our Raptor Queens account has, um, a few new fans from Japan. So welcome aboard.
0: That's awesome. We should just tweet more about Utah then they'll follow us. <laughs> yes. That's so great. Okay. What do you have for tea? So um,
1: I'm not sure if anyone else saw this. I guess these pictures probably made the rounds. Fred's um, partner posted some pictures in honor of their 11th anniversary. So um, Shantae Neal, that is Fred's partner's name, um, she posted a few pictures. One of them was at an Oceanside patio and Fred was wearing a nice crisp white polo and some ripped jeans and the kids were in matching Burberry. So that was kind of cute. And then there was an indoor pick of them and they both had shearling jackets on. And there was a backdrop of this beautifully detailed wood trim and molding that, oh, as a do-it-yourselfer, I was like almost crying, it was so beautiful. Um, then there was a really cute close-up of Fred getting a, a kiss on the cheek and he had a really sly little smile. And then she posted a picture of them um, at, at a pool and they looked like teenagers. Like it must've been when they first got together. So it was quite sweet.
0: So oh, yeah, yeah that did, was our
1: feel good story.
0: And Fred Fred didn't have a beard in one of those photos, right? He just, yeah, he was oh, so
1: young. Yeah. They look like, they look like bait. Like, is he what, 20, 26, I think. So that must've been when he was like 16. I don't know. Regardless, they were quite young. Um, so looking at, um, the plans with the all-star game, some of the players have been very vocal about, um, criticizing the plan to go ahead and Brad Beal and LeBron James are two of the most high profile, um, stars criticizing the plan. Uh, Brad Beal said, quote, uh, no respect, don't, no disrespect to the all-star game, but there's a pandemic going on. All-Star weekend is about the fans and that's not going to be there. So I don't think it's worth the force. And LeBron, LeBron's comment was I have zero. En- <laughs> he was <laughs> laid it all out there. I have zero energy and zero excitement about an all-star game this year. I don't even understand why we're having an all-star game. And then Giannis also said, I don't want to do it. I want to break. So yeah, they're uh, apparently
0: not feeling it. Yeah, and Fred VanVleet said, I have no comment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, Fred, uh, discretion is the better part of valor. Um, in the good news department, um, the, sh- the shelves have been bare in the good news department, but uh, with the pandemic and for the last year. But Karis LeVert has rejoined the Pacers. Um at their practices he's not uh not doing anything on the court but he's there with his team and that's according to the athletic writer from um indiana scott agnes
0: um and then yeah, sort of a-, a successful surgery uh to remove the the growth which i i have to admit i saw that and i was i was actually surprised at how happy i was for him i'm i'm so happy <laughs> that he's okay
1: like that trade could literally have saved his life like it's it's really uncanny when you think about it like i'm not a big believer in everything happens for a reason i don't think it does at all but this was like the best random thing that ever could have happened to him and it kind of says something too about um technology now because 30 years ago people weren't getting whole body mris for a trade physical so you know it's it's kind of you know the way it is now yeah um, another good news story, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is now working out with the Timberwolves. I mean, this has just been a terrible year for him all the way around. So it'll be nice to see him come back. And then sort of in the macabre department, um, there's a online betting site. It's called bet online. And they've set, uh, the betting odds on the, uh, first coach who's likely to be fired in the NBA So in order, uh, most likely to be fired is Ryan Saunders from the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then our dear friend, Dwayne Casey from the Pistons and Scott Brooks from Washington and uh, then Luke Walton from Sacramento. Now, I think Sacramento has been on a bit of a run. So maybe he's got a bit of um, a reprieve there.
0: Do you, do you know where Steve Nash is on that list? No,
1: I, I did see some comments tonight, um, for our listeners before we started recording, we were talking about the, uh, um, the nets falling to the pistons and there was a, quite a, uh, funny comment on Twitter that a lot of people responded to saying that, oh, the knives are going to be out for Steve Nash now. So yeah, yeah. We'll have to see where those odds are in a couple of weeks. Um, Tim Reynolds, um, who writes for the NBA, he um, he reported that Bill Russell is the, the latest NBA legend to get the COVID vaccine, and uh, he had a really um, cute promotional comment. He said, this is the one shot I won't block, and then he, uh, he said, no Celtics uh, were harmed during my shot, and then... Uh, the award for self-deprecating humor has to go to Nikola Jokic. He, um, someone must have set him up for this because he um, he was asked the, the similarities between he and LeBron James. And he said, um, the speed is there. We are the same athletically. I don't know. Can he jump as high as me? <laughs> Which I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was quite funny. I mean, he kind of remade his body, but he's by no means... You know the most fleet of foot um and then something i just saw tonight um the dallas mavericks have sort of quietly stopped playing the national anthem at their games uh so staff at the facility kind of noticed and there was no formal announcement so it looks like they're moving away from that so that's that's, interesting yeah yeah i mean mark cuban's kind of always on the cutting edge of stuff and i mean i've heard this this you know idea posited before Um, you know sure play it for playoff games but I mean you know it probably ceases to have meaning for these guys when you have to hear it like every single day right so it makes you wonder if that's going to be a trend Hmm. so that's pretty much all I have for tea time
0: okay that is awesome great comment by Jokic. Jokic that's really funny um Okay. Let's look then at our final segment before we move to our predictions for this week around the league is Philadelphia for real.
1: (laughs) Well, that's, um, you know, they've been through the process now, how many years and how many um, first, first round high draft picks, lottery picks. And, and, you know, right now they're 17 and seven, they're sitting on top the Atlanta conference. So you know, maybe to take a little bit of shine off of that, they did um, lose a game to Portland where Dame and CJ did not play. And then they also lost what was described by their coach as a very sloppy game uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies. So kind of um, on the upside, Tobias Harris is having a really good year. He's got his highest, the highest field goal percentage of his career. He's um, and shooting 44% from three and he's up to 20 points a game and beads playing really well. But according to Derek Bodner from the Atlantic, um, as of uh, January 17th, Ben Simmons had attempted six shots outside of the paint in 30 minutes of play. So that's, that's quite low. And he also said that Simmons passivity was quote on full display after numerous drives into the paint with no attempt to score so he broke it down a little bit more and he said um and this again Derek Bodner from the Atlantic he said during his rookie year Simmons attempted 6.2 sh- uh, shots a game um on drives it's down to 3.7 now so he's it's a drop of 40 percent And interestingly, he turns the ball over on almost a quarter of his half-court possessions. So 23% of his half-court possessions are turnovers, which is just horrendous. And I'm sure you remember that game, uh, was it last year, where I think, or maybe it was the championship year, where I think we forced him into nine turnovers. Yeah, it was here Kawhi was there. Like, he was just, you know, he was bad. And there's a lot of complaining on um, Philadelphia 76ers Twitter about him. Like, I think, you know, that people are calling openly for a trade. So, I mean, we kind of roll our eyes at some of the Toronto fans and the behavior toward Pascal, but maybe every fan base has its a-holes. Um, like one bright spot for them is Shake Milton. And he's kind of stepped into the void. He's, he's really playing well. I mean, I think Danny Green was a nice addition. And the whole thing about Dwight Howard, I was so surprised Dwight Howard left LA. It kind of makes me wonder. Um, and that Matisse Teibel, like he just, as a rookie, that kid just full of potential. Like, you know, he was scary good as a rookie and his numbers are, are down this year. Like he just has such potential and he's really not taking the next step. And then sort of the other piece is coaching. And I think that, um, Brett Brown, you know, I know he like shepherded, shepherded them through the process. I I do think Doc Rivers is, is an upgrade, but I mean, to our question is Philadelphia for real? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that that's a flawed team, um, you know, I, I think they're going to come back down to earth. I just, I, you know, I don't see them as they're a good team. I kind of figured they'd finish behind Miami, Milwaukee, Boston. I don't think this is going to hold up.
0: Interesting. Um, okay. I have three points that I want to say about it. One is this is the first season where I feel like the flaw is not Joel Embiid. And I, I think something is different about his game. Maybe it's the conditioning that he uh, maybe he's taking it seriously. So he came back after the offseason just like in better shape. But I also feel like there's, and, and again, maybe this is just because I haven't seen any reporting about particularly stupid comments being made by him or just like the kind of thing that makes me you know, note arrogance, I haven't really noted that about him this year. And so that is interesting to me, I think that there is like a general difference about Joel Embiid's game, and that that is real. Um, Ben Simmons, I don't think has had that kind of, you know, maturation um, yet. I do think he's still a bit of a problem. And you know, you highlighted some particular uh, stats about his scoring and turnovers I mean to the extent that it matters like they are still winning notwithstanding that he's not taking as many shots and that he's being passive on offense and maybe it's part of the Philadelphia game plan for him to I don't I don't know why you wouldn't want one of your best off one of your allegedly best offensive players to you know play more offense but maybe maybe there's a recognition from the coaching staff that like he just isn't that (laughs) Great offensively. And so they want to pull back. I don't know. Or it could be his passivity, which I think is the more likely thing there. And so that's a flaw. And then the coaching is an interesting one. I don't know if I call it a flaw or if it's that I don't quite trust Doc Rivers yet. I agree he's an upgrade from Brett Brown. I still don't think he has particularly proven himself in the playoffs to be a coach that can take a team all the way. And I wouldn't say that that's like a forever a forever thing about him. I think that Doc Rivers has it in him to do that, but he would have to grow beyond the coach he is right now. Um, is it gonna happen with this iteration and this team? Maybe if you got rid of Ben Simmons, maybe if there was like a trade that you could make to bring in like one more experienced veteran leader, like Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I think that they could do it and I don't, I don't want to see Kyle Lowry leave the Raptors. And if he went to Philly and won a championship with them in his hometown, I would be so happy for him. So that is like maybe the way that Philly could be for real. And that's, that's my thoughts.
1: That would be, again, I don't want to see Kyle go either, but that would be a nice legacy move. I mean, he has a home in Philly and I mean, he would bring the grit, um, that they very much need. I mean, maybe Embiid's kind of, to your point, had a change of heart and he's, you know, you can, you can't, your charisma is not going to win you a championship. It's like hard work. So, and maybe Simmons and Embiid are like Kyle and DeMar, like, you know, you have to pick one, I you know, I, I know I saw some comments on, um the Philadelphia like, um, discussion board about, uh, they were, they were pissed that they didn't get Harden. Like they very much wanted Harden. He was going to be the answer to all their problems. Um, and it kind of sounded like from what I was reading that there was, you know, Ben Simmons might've been available. So maybe that's kind of contributed to, you know, his, you know, lack of confidence here. I, I don't know, like, but yeah, I don't think they're for real.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think of them as being a couple really important pieces away. And in particular, uh, like a veteran experience, mature piece away. Um, and uh, and to get rid of Ben Simmons piece.
1: <laughs> I did hear a rumor, though, that Miami wants Kyle. And I, I did see um, I somebody that. did up Kyle in a Miami, Miami Vice jersey. So I... That seems implausible. They have Drogic. They have a veteran guard. I don't, I don't know. But we'll take Precious Tachua off their hands.
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, let's move to the last little bit. We're going to do our predictions for this week. Um, so we'll do the next four games. Because I'm not sure if we're going to be recording after three or after four. Uh, we've got Washington coming up, Boston, Minnesota, and then the first game of a back-to-back against the Bucks. What do you predict, Allison?
1: Okay, hold on to your chair, Sarah. You're not going to believe this. So we're going to beat Washington. We're going to beat Boston. We're going to beat Minnesota, but we're going to lose the first game to Milwaukee. And that's, we'll leave the suspense there. What do you think?
0: Oh my gosh, a 3-1 prediction for you. That's pretty exciting. Um, okay, I I'm going to also go 3-1, but I still don't think we're going to beat Boston. I just... I don't know. Boston has our number has for, for a while now. So I'm going to go win against Washington, a loss against Boston, a win against Minnesota and a win against the bucks.
1: But, but okay. So when you look at historically when we've had a bad game against Boston, the next game we usually win. Remember the Christmas day game last year and how bad they were. And they came back and won the next game and we were kind of flat against them. last game we played yeah I think that game is there it's ripe for the taking
0: that is so strangely optimistic I I, I really I I just don't see it I think I think Jason Tatum just outperforms Pascal Siakam over and over and over again in a way that just doesn't work for the Raptors and I I don't know we'll see we'll see what happens and I hope I'm wrong this time I hope you're wrong yeah (laughs) 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 <laughs> That's <an awesome> quote. <laughs> okay thank you everyone for tuning in uh let's find out if me and allison are right or hopefully wrong or something <laughs> uh tune in next week in the meantime stay raptors fans
1: we the north